Well, we're still speaking about the federal government's move yesterday to invoke the Emergencies Act for the first time since it was passed into law in 1988. It grants Ottawa extended, if time-limited, powers to deal with the ongoing protests, specifically on Parliament Hill. Uh, The other ones by now have also been cleared up in Windsor, Coots. We'll talk about that later. Emerson, Manitoba, still going on, we believe. Uh, But certainly in Ottawa, the focus point of attention. Was it necessary? Is it the right tool for a complex situation? Well, interim Conservative leader Candace Bergen today accused the Prime Minister in the House of Parliament that there was no need or for extraordinary measures. And the Prime Minister responded. Provinces and police are doing their jobs and blockades are starting to come down. But the Prime Minister thinks that now is the time to use this extreme measure and invoke the Emergencies Act. Isn't it true that the Prime Minister's actions could serve to actually make things worse and not make things better? We will always defend the rights of Canadians to peaceful assembly and to freedom of expression. But these blockades need to end. And unfortunately, conservative politicians continue to encourage the leaders of these blockades. Our previous guest, security expert Wesley Wark, certainly was in agreement of invoking the Emergencies Act for the reasons that he stated. But did the current situation in Canada meet the necessary threshold to invoke it? The Canadian Civil Liberties Association says it does not. Joining me now is CCLA Executive Director and General Counsel Noah Mendelssohn-Aviv. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So tell me a bit about how the CCLA's reaction to the to invoking the Emergencies Act. It's the first time we've seen it since it was uh, put into put into place back in 1988. Um, do you feel like the threshold was there? And if not, why not? Yeah, the, the Emergencies Act is there for major catastrophes that happen in Canada, national emergencies, and they have a definition in the law. We're talking about dangers, serious dangers to the life, health, and safety of individuals in Canada that are so severe that they overwhelm the province and the provinces that can't handle it, um, or serious threats to the sovereignty, security, and territorial integrity of Canada that no law in Canada can is, is enough to handle. That's the threshold that you have to reach, and that's not the Canadian Civil Liberties Association inventing that standard. That is written right into the Act. And, you know, so so imagine floods so severe or or perhaps or perhaps a deadly virus that has to be addressed so quickly and so urgently or the people can't get into the same room because they're stuck with an ice storm or there's a war going on and so instead of using the normal democratic measures where democratically elected representatives make decisions through a process that is transparent that is accountable that is representative instead of all that government says we're taking these powers for ourselves and we're going to take care of an urgent Critical situation. Again, those are the words in the Act. That's what the Emergencies Act is for. That's what the law says. And it's hard to understand when there hasn't been that much, um, there hasn't been that much going on that we can tell. And when the government isn't telling us about anything, uh, you know, other than sort of, you know, that they're worried about the blockade, it's disruptive. We understand that protests can be very disruptive. This one is particularly so. Roads have been blocked. It's very uncomfortable. There's been some unlawful activity, but it is very hard to understand how they think that this meets the threshold of a national emergency as defined by the law. We're not seeing it. And not only that, they keep talking about the economy. This is necessary for the Canadian economy. I don't see the economy written anywhere in the Emergencies Act. I mean, 
you could argue if you wanted to stretch it, that the health and safety and well-being of Canadians, where there is a serious threat to those, a serious danger is affected by the Canadian economy. You could make that argument. You could also make the argument that an ordinary policing incident, organized crime, the kinds of things that our police officers do all the time and address is, is a serious threat to the safety of Canadians. And all of that's true. That doesn't make it a national emergency. Where do you think the risks lie then in using uh, or at least invoking the Emergencies Act in a situation such as the one we find ourselves in? I think there are two risks. One is uh, giving people the impression that this is normal and ordinary. When, when the pandemic hit two years ago and government started rolling out emergency orders and emergency acts and emergency powers, everybody was freaked out. And they said, governments do what you want. You know, you're not going to use democratic measures right now. We can live with that. We don't exactly know what's happening. It's not transparent. It's not accountable. Maybe it's not even charter compliant, but you know, there's a virus and, and it's scary and we don't understand. Certain point, even, you know, some of, some of those were problematic as well. But we shouldn't get used to governments using emergency powers. Governments have a huge amount of power that they give to themselves, but it should happen through the democratic process. It should not be normalized that when you deal with a situation that government has the power to deal with, or that's, that's about the Canadian economy, that they can roll out these powers. So, so very generally, we have a real problem with them using the Emergencies Act at all. And secondly, secondly, is the specific powers that they're talking about using here, uh, where they're talking about shutting down, um, you know, shutting down a, a very disruptive protest that, is, that has caused a lot of people a lot of harm. But nonetheless, they're talking about freezing people's bank accounts and reporting their financial information to security services, CSIS, and so on. And they're doing that without a court order. So now you have no legislative oversight, but also no judicial oversight. So you've got governments taking these powers, saying that they can use them, we're not so sure, making orders that we're not so sure that they can make under the Act to really take away people's money and, and to take away people's privacy. That's a very serious incursion for them to do without oversight, and we are concerned about it. We know the Prime Minister said yesterday that this was meant to be temporary. Um, what will you be looking for now for any sort of reassurance that this will that these powers will be uh, as quickly gotten rid of as they were taken on? You know, it's written into the act that it's temporary. And it's also written into the act that, that both houses of parliament have to approve the use of these orders within seven days. It doesn't change the fact that if in, within the next seven days, uh, people's assets are frozen, if within the next seven days, people's private information is passed over to security services, some of that stuff is irreversible. And that's, and that's very problematic. Uh, so, so I, I think it's, I think the fact that a, a, a very severe and very extreme use of power is being wielded, even if it's temporary, it's still something that we should be concerned about and that we should not see as an ordinary, normal uh, wielding of government power because there's a difficult situation going on. Noah Mendelssohn-Aviv, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks very much.